0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this third lesson, this third of four lessons. We're looking at Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus gave seven parables. They're called the kingdom parables. And uh, he revealed secrets that were kept secret from the beginning of time, and he's revealing them for the first time. Uh, One of the Secrets we looked at last week. I call it and consider it the most important secret in all the Bible. We took a look at it last week. He revealed the church age. Nobody knew there would be a church. Uh, he showed us that Israel, after he, he came, that the last seven years, and we know how many years are left in the Israeli co- uh, calendar because Daniel was shown a prophecy. It's written down in your Bibles, and they have seven years left. It will be the seven-year tribulation period. That's when God will turn from the church. I believe the rapture will happen. Seven years will come. We'll talk about that next week, by the way, and we'll have fun, whether you agree or not with me. And uh, and then at, at at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, Jesus comes back, sets up his kingdom on the earth. It's just been fun today. We're going to talk about Uh, how the enemy will attack Christianity as a whole. And uh, I think we'll have a blast. Last week was about how he attacks us as individual Christians and the secret that will help us overcome every single attack. So if you weren't with us, that's available for free. Uh, But today we're going to talk about, I call this uh, intelligence secrets. And it's just Jesus giving us intelligence like uh, we were an army saying, hey, this is how the enemy is going to attack. The church, so that we know and understand these things. So, years ago, I remember uh, hearing about counterfeit money in America and how the number one way they help people understand a counterfeit is by having them handle the real bills. And they, they have to handle the real bills over and over and over again. And I didn't know if that was internet folklore or if it was true. So I got onto some government sites and found out it is true. There's other markers they look for for counterfeit bills, but the number one thing they do is they make them handle the real over and over and over. So I thought as we started out today, since Jesus is gonna talk about counterfeit religions, counterfeit Christianity, and counterfeit doctrine, I thought, boy, we we should make sure we know a couple things about Christianity. I, I could call them the four pillars of Christianity. I could have placed five. I could have had six. I could have had seven. But we'll take a look at those. But before we do, I just want to say one thing to you. Uh, I may offend some of you today. And so it's, it's, I just want to say it up front, and it would be very few, but I might offend some of you, uh, whether here or uh, online or in Boardman uh, T- uh, TCI Correctional Facility. And uh, remember the posture we take when we don't agree with the preacher. Here's the posture: He's a great guy. That's number one. He's just such an awesome guy. But but then, uh, Father, we pray, Father, if PJ's wrong, open up his eyes, and if I'm wrong, open up my eyes it's called the posture of humility. Uh, Jesus said that's how we should be as Christians. We have to take that position of humility. And so if I do offend you, pray that prayer and then pray for me. And and again, walk out of here saying, he's still a cool guy. He's just awesome. So let's look at these four pillars, guys. Uh, Here's number one. Jesus is God who always exists. And I gave it two scripture references. Uh, Whether it's the Catholic or the Protestant Bible, uh, the New Testaments are identical. Catholic New Testament is really like another translation. Um, So our New Testaments are identical. And no matter which Bible you study, uh, guys, here's what they teach. Jesus always existed, and he's God. As a matter of fact, uh, our Bibles teach that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. Our finite minds will never fully understand that it's uh, you know, but we take it by faith, and then our Bibles teach God has no beginning, God has no end, and so we want to handle this truth and man, if we hear something that doesn't put Jesus in that category, what do we know it's counterfeit, right because that's what your Bibles teach about Jesus uh, here's the next one: believing in Jesus is the only way to heaven, and nothing else is necessary isn't that? incredible I gave you four references I could have given you more for all of these but guys that's what your Bible teaches Jesus said I'm the way, the truth and the life no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they come through me no one can go to heaven unless they come through me and in my opinion it's my opinion that's a that's a tough saying right because there's a lot of good people in other religions, it's like, really, God? That's really tough. But that's what your Bible teaches. And, and, and I have no problem with it because that's what our Bible teaches. But uh, you'll, you can tell counterfeits because they, they will not tell you that. They might say Jesus plus, or they might say, no, you don't need Jesus. There's one God, many ways to him, right? And so here's number three. No one can add to or preach a different gospel, not even an angel. Whoa, and angels, I haven't seen one, but I've read descriptions of them in the Bible. Whoa, they big and bad and they tough and they have wings and whoa, they're 12 feet tall and whatever else, man. But even if they come, you might say, well, that's supernatural, it's an angel. No, no, Jesus said, nobody can preach a different gospel. And uh, just to make sure we all know what the gospel is, the gospel is that good news message, here it is, right? The God who always existed, God, the son, Jesus, took upon himself a human body, and he even did it in the womb. Isn't that crazy? He allowed my mama and dad to raise him on the earth. He humbled himself. He grew up like you and I, and for the first 30 years of his life, he ran a business. He had to go to school. He had to be under his mom and dad's authority when he was a young one right? He felt everything that we feel, the Bible says. That makes him a merciful high priest. Then uh, when he came of age, he began to talk about God. He told us how God was, was and the goodness of God gave us all these parables and other things. And then he did miracles and wonders and they wanted to crown him king on Palm Sunday, right? He said, no, I came to die. And then he was put to death. He died physically, he spent three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. And God raised him up from the grave and he's alive. And whoever believes in him, will be saved. That's the gospel. If anybody preaches a different gospel, you and I know that's not the truth. And I can tell you this, guys. I have shared that message with people one-on-one, and I have seen Hundreds of people come to Christ over my years as a Christian, one on one. I've seen the toughest, the baddest people in counterfeit religions. I've seen. I've talked to bikers in front of biker bars when I was in Bible school, and they were tough. And my buddy said, "Are you sure?" I said, "Yeah, they might beat us up." I said, "Well, they might, but they need Jesus." And and the toughest guys and I watched them cry and pray with me and accept Christ. This message the Bible says is powerful, right? It's powerful. And can you imagine? The enemy would want us not to share it. He'd want anything but that, but it's the message uh, of the gospel. And then here's the the next one. The devil and his counterfeit religions can appear as good or bad. Sometimes they're really good. Remember, he appears as an angel of light, and there's the reference for that. And so sometimes the devil comes, because we're all different personalities, right? So some of us like it bad. So he'll come with Satanism and worship the devil, sacrifice your cats and things like that. And and we all recognize I can't be God, right? That's got to be counterfeit. Uh, but then he comes with these other ones that are pretty good. They're they're pretty pretty good, right? And and so you and I uh, can look and say, well, that's pretty good, right? And so we have to understand sometimes he comes as an angel of light. That's why I came up with this uh, big idea. It's something my parents used to say: all that glitters is not gold. So um, guys, there's a lot of things out there that look good, but they're not God. And so we now we see those. Four little pillars, right? And you want to get to know them really, really well. And uh, you'll be able to recognize something that's not right or not of God. So here's the first one we'll deal with. We'll deal with three, right? Uh, Counterfeit religions we'll deal with first. And um, God had a lot to say about this. He gave us a really famous parable about it. It's one of the most famous parables. The parable of the sower last week with the number one secret and all the world in it. Uh, is the most famous. But this would be second, uh, the the parable of the tares. And uh, so let's take a look at it. We'll read the actual parable. Remember, this is a natural story laid down beside a spiritual truth. That's what a parable is. Help us understand the truth. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And we'll explain it, because Jesus will explain it. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. And went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. That's when they're finally ripe. So these tares are different than last week. These, these are literally plants that look just like wheat, and they would be sown in. You cannot tell the difference to harvest when their berries come, and then you go, oh, those aren't wheat berries. Yuck. And so uh, that's what he's doing here. And then it goes on to say, verse 27 So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it it have tares? Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. And just keep that up for a moment. Guys, this is the posture Jesus wants us to take. What he's saying to you and I is this, guys this is all about counterfeit religions, and you'll see it in a moment. Uh, He wants us to have the attitude, we don't fight these guys in the flesh with fists, and we don't try to take them out, right? Think of the Crusades. It wasn't a good thing, and many people don't believe in organized religion today because of some of the things that the church has done throughout history. So he's telling us, no, don't fight it in the flesh. As a matter of fact, how do we look at these people they're part of the harvest, man. We want to bring them to Christ is how we look at them. It goes on and says this, verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them. We'll see next week. This is the end of the seven-year tribulation period. It's not the rapture. It goes on to say, but gather the wheat into my barns. And we'll look at that more clearly next week. Um So let's look at the interpretation. All the glitters is not gold. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. I mean, secret, they never knew. Jesus is going to give us intelligent secrets. Here's one way the enemy will work. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus, right? So it's talking about the church being planted. The field is the world, right? And so he went in all the world. The gospel's being preached. The church has been born. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, you and I, right, Christians, but the tares are the sons of the wicked ones. So the enemy planted, notice verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil and the harvest is at the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. And we'll talk more about the harvest because it fits next week better, but uh, uh, notice who sowed them the enemy, the devil. And guys, false religion, as I said, um, it, can, it can be really good, but you and I have to recognize it. Uh, you and I may have people we love that are in these false things. So again, we want to talk about our posture. It's not to fight them physically. You can teach a message like this. Somebody can write a book. This is why we believe this. These are the things that wouldn't be our true religions. It's okay to do it in a loving way, but we have to have the attitude that's our harvest. So we're, we're not here to fight them. Um, we're here to bring them to Christ. And so the number one uh, counterfeit religion in the world, and again, it can seem like, boy, he's pretty haughty, but I'm just going off of the Bible, uh, would be Islam. And here's what the, uh, they believe, guys. So you you put them to the test. Islam began in 610 AD, so uh, 600 years after Christ, by the prophet Muhammad, who said the angel gabriel appeared to him in modern day saudi arabia so again even if an angel preaches a different gospel and gave him the quran over a 20 year 3 year period so that's that's their bible they believe jesus is one of five elite prophets just a prophet not a man and they believe you go to heaven by believing in allah the true god and following the five pillars of islam so it would be a totally different gospel so how do we deal with this in, in America, there's 3.5 million uh, Muslims. In America, that's a very small percentage, it's 1.1%. There are some of them that are extremists, right? And, and they're the terrorists, but that's a very small percentage. The leaders in other countries are usually crazy, right? A lot of them are, let's kill everybody that doesn't believe. But the followers here in America and in most places, they're just good people. They have morals they follow, they're good folks and they just believe something that's not true. So what is it that we do, guys? We pray for them, we share Christ with them, and there are millions. I wanna celebrate for a minute. Uh, I love reading the post that missions people give. There are millions of them coming to Christ around the world. There is a revival of Islam people coming to Christ. And there are people here in our community that have accepted Christ. They've been part of our church. Guys, it's an awesome, awesome thing. So can we thank God for what he's doing around the world? I think we should celebrate. But, uh, you know, so many of you rub shoulders. And, man, we have to see it. They just believe differently than us, right? And they're part of the harvest for the world. But years ago when our children were young, uh, their pediatrician was Hindu. And so I would take them in a lot, uh, sometimes Gina and I together. And I got to know him, a wonderful, wonderful man, wonderful doctor. And, uh, and I thought, I'm going to convert him. So I invited him to lunch and uh, him and I had lunch several times, right? But I wish you could have been there. It was so fun. But uh, I'm trying to convert him and he's trying to convert me. He, he was the Hindu priest in our valley. So it's like, he's the priest. And so, uh, and he watched me on TV. He told me, I use some of your stories sometimes. And uh, uh, he was raised in India. He went to Christian schools. He had to memorize scriptures, but he couldn't see Jesus as the Christ. So we're having lunch and... Uh, and and we're talking, and I'm trying to convert him. He's trying to convert me. I never converted him, at least not then. He didn't convert me. Uh, but I thought, you know, we did it like gentlemen. So that was good. I didn't say anything mean to him. I just told him, Jesus is the only way. And he's saying, I learned that in school, but, you know. And, uh, and so it was a lot of fun. So that's the attitude. That's the posture. We take a posture of humility. Uh, but we know, hey, I believe, and I know, I mean, No one could ever tell me Jesus is in the way because I met him in a very spectacular way. But also I know the scriptures. But here's the next one, counterfeit Christianity. This one is interesting because this would mean it's like a counterfeit religion, but it came out of Christianity. So I kind of separate it and I call it counterfeit Christianity. Here's the parable, Matthew 13, 31. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in the field. So he's saying this is what the church is like. The church is like a mustard seed. The field's the world. Verse 32, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, and they're very tiny seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than herbs uh, and becomes a tree. So it's tree-like when it's grown, mustard tree, so that the birds of the air come, and nest in its branches. So I remember, as a young pastor, Joe, my first interpretation when I first heard this was um, the birds would be the herding world, and they come to the branches of the church and the branches of the church. But then, as I grew and studied the Bible, I realized birds are always bad in the parables of Jesus. They're never good in his parables. And so I realized, oh, I'm I'm interpreting this wrong. And I read some some. Uh, you know, books about it, and I realized I was way wrong on it. And it's just referring to counterfeit Christianity. And I like the fact they sit on a branch because they branch out of Christianity. They come from Christianity, but they're counterfeit, right? And uh, there's two that are major that we're familiar with, we rub shoulders with. There, there are hundreds of them, guys, and some of them not well known. But here's the first one. Joseph Smith in 1829 had an angel named Moroni appear to him. So again, even if an angel preaches a different gospel, right? And he told him where to find the Book of Mormon, which was written in the fourth century. So you and I should be able to recognize, mm, no, that's, that's wrong already. But here's what they believe. Mormons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but that he was created and didn't always exist. So right away, if you know the pillars of Christianity, oh boy, that doesn't feel right. They believe that Satan and Jesus were brothers, created at the same time. They also believe that salvation through Jesus isn't enough. And so uh, they have a totally different belief than us, but they kind of branched out of Christianity. You have a lot of Jesus in them, but Jesus is not the Jesus that you and I know. He's not the way to heaven. And yet, can you agree with me, especially those of you that are around my age or older, um, aren't they the nicest people ever? Just think Donnie and Marie Osmond. Aren't they just the nicest people? Mormons have incredible morals. They are very moral as, as people and uh, they live good lives, right? And here's what's, if you get the hierarchy, they're going to believe this. And But you get an everyday Mormon, most of them don't know what the hierarchy believes. And a lot of them have accepted Christ. So it's, it's amazing. I believe that's, again, why Jesus said, let's not tear some things out right away. And uh, I just heard an incredible testimony. You may love this guy. You may hate him. It doesn't matter. He's a political p- pundit, but... Um, his name's Glenn Beck. I'm I'm not promoting him. What I'm trying to say is this, guys. I heard his testimony, and he was raised Mormon. And he had Christians witnessing to him. He was dealing with alcoholism. It was destroying his life. And then he ended up in a church in Grapevine, Texas, the Dallas Metroplex area, uh, Ed Young Jr.'s church, and he accepted Christ. He, his testimony is amazing, what Jesus has done in this life. And we have watched And I know Mormons here that have accepted Christ. So guys, how do we look at them? They're a harvest field. But you know what? You have to have the attitude. I know that's not true Christianity, so I'm going to go after their souls, right? And we want to go after their souls and and, and try to bring them to Christ. Here's one uh, that you would expect that Jehovah Witnesses believe Jesus was a created being and is a lesser God than God the Father, who they call Jehovah. Uh, They believe Jesus, when born on the earth, was a mere human, not God. In the flesh, um, and so they interpret Jesus in in the wrong way, and uh, I think a lot of us know that. But guys, there's a lot of people that got saved to come to believers out of Jehovah Witness too. So it's just it's the harvest, right? We look at them as the harvest. We're not here to fight them. Um, a couple of their top leaders, I went to high school with them, so I I see them in restaurants, you know. And hey. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever convert them, but I'll tell you who can be converted. They're followers, right? Because the gospel is that powerful. It's powerful, guys. And we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for everybody uh, because all that glitters is not gold, but our goal isn't to fight. Our goal is to bring them to Christ, but we're not wishy-washy. We don't change our views. And here's here's the next one. The last one It's called counterfeit doctrine. And uh, guys, this is not the little things we disagree with other churches about, Um You know, we we believe God heals today. There might be some churches that don't believe he heals today. That's not counterfeit doctrine. It's just you and I and them seeing the Bible differently, right? I believe the rapture's going to happen. Then we go into the seven-year tribulation. Some people believe it's in the middle and some people believe it's at the end. And here's here's one thing you can believe for sure. When it happens, it will happen. And uh, that I can guarantee you that. And then Jesus, you can't deny this. Jesus said, live like I'm coming tonight. So, I mean, uh, we should, we need to live on, uh, like he could come tonight. And so uh, it, it's just awesome. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. I have pastor friends in the valley here. Uh, we believe so differently. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe they're for today. They don't, but you know what? They still pray for people that are sick at the end of their services, so we're not talking about that. We're not talking about having a haughty attitude. I'm right, and if somebody doesn't believe like me, I don't even know if they're saved, and there are preachers on the internet like that, and I just, I I wish I could give you a chill pill. You need to chill out, man, and quit judging everybody, right? Now, Now, a major doctrine, yes, you know, if we're saying Jesus isn't who he is, yeah, for sure. But little things, come on now. Relax. Take a chill pill. Here's Here it is, guys. Matthew 13, 33. Another parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it all was leaven. This is an easy one because leaven's never good in the New Testament, right? So uh, the, 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 the meal would be the church, but the leaven is just counterfeit doctrine. And the woman would be the enemy putting it in. God loves women, but that's what he used for an example here. And so, guys, Jesus talked about three types of leaven. Did you know that? And he told his disciples and us beware of this leaven, beware of that leaven. So it's counterfeit doctrine. This would be major things. And here's the first one Jesus said, beware of the leaven of Herod in Mark 8 13 through 15. The leaven of Herod was God doesn't care if you practice sin. And this has gotten into, not necessarily our church, but into the church in America and around the world. And just so you know uh, who Herod was, and that's why Jesus said, beware of his doctrine. Um, uh, He stole his brother's wife, and she was a bit evil too. She was glad he stole him. And he had more prestige than his brother, and he married her. So John the Baptist said to Herod, That's adultery, and you need to repent. And Herod, you know what he did? He threw him in jail. He said, no, it's not. Boom, threw him in jail. And then his wife deceived him, Herod, and he ended up cutting John's head off. But the doctrine of Herod is this. Sin isn't sin. God doesn't care if you sin. And guys, your Bible doesn't teach that. And it gets into the church with all kinds of different faces. I think one of the funniest ones was uh, there was a group of people years ago that taught uh, I'm not sinning, my body is, but my spirit isn't. And and so it's not really me, so I'm okay. God, it, you know, I didn't do it, God, my body did. And I could see robbing a bank and telling the police, I didn't do it, and they'll say, uh, my body did. They'll say, okay, I'm throwing your body in jail, buddy. Um, but your spirit's gonna go with your body, isn't it? Yeah, it's gonna have a problem because it can't leave your body yet. And so it comes in the church in many different ways. Today, the way I see it, guys, is that, you know, we're not under the law, and sin isn't what it used to be. Jesus forgave us for everything, so it really doesn't matter. And it comes out in different ways like that, guys. And can I say this about sin? Make sure we all hear this, all right? If you're a Christian, you will struggle with some sin Always. Until Jesus comes back, you're going to struggle with some sins. We overcome some and then there's still another. Do you know gossip's called a sin? So can, can we say we, uh, we all kind of sin with our words at times, right? I've, I find myself going through the day saying, Sorry I said that, Father. <laughs> I sinned. Uh, but, but um, you know, uh, as a Christian, if, if, if your posture is this, when you sin, you know it. The Bible says I shouldn't do that. And you repent, guys, he does. Repent is a 180-degree turn saying, that I know that's wrong, and I'm going to go this direction. Guys, we're all sinning in one way or another, and so uh, we just get, have God wash us with the blood, right? When I was a young Christian, I kept falling into the same sins. I was trying to overcome sins in certain areas of my life. I would fall weakly into them, and I'd repent weakly. So that's right attitude. The wrong attitude is this. It's not sin and I don't have to repent. I'm gonna do it because we're in the New Testament and Jesus is love and I can live any way I want. You don't wanna have that attitude, right? But that's the doctrine of Herod and it tries to get into the church. Okay, here's, here's the next one. Uh, Jesus said before, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees in Matthew 16, 10, 12. The leaven of the Sadducees was the denial of the supernatural angels. Could be demons too in the afterlife. So there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Sadducees just didn't believe in the supernatural at all. They didn't believe in the afterlife. And I don't see that so much in the church. It's very seldom in outskirts if you ever see it. So I won't take a lot of time on it. Here's the last one. I struggled with this as a young pastor. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees in Luke 12:1. The leaven of the Pharisees was legalism. And so as a young pastor, it's kind of like, it's like you're more condemning towards people. Uh, And if you teach truth, you do it in a condemning way. That's legalism, right? Uh, It's Jesus plus this, Jesus plus that. God's not going to love you unless you do this perfect and you do that perfect. That's legalism, right? So you can preach God wants us to be pure, but do it in a loving way. And guys, every one of us in this room are growing and we're working towards becoming more and more pure. And I want to say this to you. God loves you as much as any person else on the planet if you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And the goal is we're growing. So I can say, I am so glad my early messages were on cassette tape and, and, and I, I, they got lost. And um, they're not digital and they're not going around the world, right? Right. Because I think, man, I would not say it that way anymore. And, and people had to walk out some services like, oh my God, I'm such a worm. I'm such a terrible person. That's legalism. It's the doctrine of the Pharisees. And I have been phariseutical in my life at times. And it's just being really judgmental towards everything. Uh, it's a lot of do's and don'ts. And again, we want to grow and we want to strive to be holy, but we do it from the inside and not the outside. So these are the three types of 11 They come into the church in some major ways, guys. They really, really do. Um, But there's a verse of scripture I want to close with. And I think it's one of the coolest verses. Before we read it, I want you to realize who wrote it. The apostle Paul wrote it. He's the guy God used to write nearly three quarters of the New Testament. That's amazing, right? And it's in 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to notice what he said. This is the attitude we want to take. Verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 12, 1 Corinthians. For now we see in a mirror dimly. Now, Bible mirrors, guys, it was polished metal. And so if you ever looked into polished metal, you can see yourself, but you see very dimly. As I get older, I prefer mirrors like that around the house. Um, It's like, whoa, where'd that come from? Okay, Uh, it, it, it says, so now notice what I highlighted. For now, this is while we're walking on the earth. We see in a mirror dimly but then face to face. Some people say this is the Bible and the Bible comes we don't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore. I, I, I can't see that and you'll see why as we just continue to go. This is talking about then when Jesus comes, guys, we'll see face to face. Well, what's the difference between now and then? Well, here we go. Now I know in part. So this is the guy that wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. He's now writing one of the books of the Bible. God's given it to him to right, And he says, I still know in part, but then I will... Know fully, and it's going to be a cool time. As I also have been fully known, and so when we leave our bodies, whether we die and go to heaven or we're caught up in the air, the Bible says we'll instantly understand and know everything. And so when that moment happens in my life, I think all of us are going to go, "Ooh, I was wrong there. I was wrong there. Was wrong there." But what what I want to be able to do is say, but I loved people, Father, right? And he'll say, Joe, you were cool. You loved people. But but, um, I, I, guys, we'll just know everything. And I can't wait for that moment. I still want to know who killed JFK. And we'll know. We'll know exactly when that happens. That's probably one of the first things I'll ask Jesus. Who killed JFK? But it looks like we might just know it instantly, right? So we'll know everything. But what what's, I need to really stress is the greatest man, as far as revelation that ever lived, said, I know in part. And so here's my posture. Whatever I believe I hold dearly to, I will not compromise what I see in the scriptures. They, they can put me in jail and I will not change, right? And, 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 and yet I still know, I don't know everything. I don't know clearly. And I have a lot of questions when I arrive in heaven. But guys, here's the most important thing, the next verse, verse 13. But now faith, hope, and love remain, these three. So these are three things that are here in, on the earth part of Christianity, right? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And God wants us to be loving. So I want someone to be able to hear me come to believers, meet me, and, and whether they agree with me or not, after I walk away, they go, no, I don't agree with him, but he's a nice guy. Um, I, f- I felt like he valued me as a human being. Don't you want people to feel like we value them, right? Uh, after I preach, I don't mind if someone walks out saying, I don't agree with him, but I don't want them to be able to say, he's cocky, arrogant, he's a narcissist. I don't want that to be said, right? I want to walk in love, show the love of Jesus. But if I have to say what's true, we say what's true. If you have to say what's true, you say what's true, but you say it in love, right? I hope I make some sense. Here, here, here's one thought, and, and, and then we'll close. Um, Are you excited that God treats you the way he tells us to treat people? Are you excited he loves you in spite of all your faults and failures? And that shouldn't offend you, don't we all have faults and failures, that he loves you and he cares about you and he's allowing all of us to grow. If you're excited about that, Borman here in Warren, can we give it up and say thank you, Jesus? (laughs) Online, do it in the chat rooms, man. Come alive online. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, let's pray. Father. We thank you for the scriptures. Oh, we thank you for Jesus who came and saved us. And Lord, I tried my best to bring out tough subjects, but here's my prayer. Open our eyes more fully as we go through the week. Show us how we can uh, be more Christ-like in every area of our life. Father, we pray for revival amongst Uh, different religions and amongst uh, Christianity that's been counterfeited, Lord, Uh, people that are into uh, counterfeit doctrine. Father, we pray for you to reach these people, to open up their eyes and to bring them to Christ. Lord, we thank you for an incredible harvest of souls coming into this valley, Father. We thank you that people that we thought would never come to know Christ, Father, you're going to open up their eyes to Christ. We thank you for revival in every every facet of humanity, Father. Thank you for it. Father, we ask you, open up our eyes this week further. Take some of these things and make things real to us. And Father, help us love everybody uh, without any compromise while we love them in the precious name of Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I don't really have to preach the gospel. I, I preached it in my message. But if you're listening, you say, you know, I feel different i believe jesus is the christ and i'm ready to accept him today uh, would you pray with me because here's what our bibles teach us if you call on the name of the lord jesus he'll save you if you believe in your heart that god raised Him from the dead and with through mouth his lord you'll be saved and only he can open his your eyes up to him but we've been praying for people like crazy and we're going to continue to do it and if you're here and you say i'm ready you're in boardman you say i'm ready you're online you say i'm ready your TCI, you say, I'm ready. Would, would you pray with us right now? The rest of us, can, can, can we help them pray? Let's say this together. Father God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. I repent of all my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God who always existed, who came to this earth to save all the world, that God raised you up out of the grave and you're alive. I receive you as my savior. I declare you our Lord. And I make a decision this day to follow you. Amen.